Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Hey, everybody. Good to see you today. Y'all doing all right out there? Woo! Great to have you with us. Glad for the people that are sitting here. Also glad for the people that are sitting, watching, and live streaming. Um, there are people connecting with you, I know, even through that form of media. So thank you for being here with us today. Do you know what I'm excited about right now? Y'all didn't act like you wanted to know, so I ain't going to tell you. I'm excited because a lot of the times uh, there's this thing in the back of the auditorium called a confidence monitor, and it throws up all these states that we have to mention by their abbreviation. And they're not up there right now. And I thank God I don't have to mess that up today. So, so I'm excited, man. If I don't get anything else from this message, that right there is salvation. <laughs> so, hey, everybody. My name is Michael Singer. I am one of the pastors here at Freedom House. And uh, I've actually been a part of Freedom House since like their first month of being around. So I've been at the church for a little over 15 and a half years. Uh, been able to see a lot, been able to meet a lot of people, a lot of great new faces that I don't know, uh, even after the last service, just meeting some people. I'm like, man, I love the fact that I get to meet new people every weekend. Uh, and I love the fact that I get to come back to Central Campus, where it was like my main hub. Yeah, one person's excited. Here's what I've loved about the multi-site. This is just my own personal take on it. I've been up at Lake Norman, and uh, when we started as a church, we were set up and breakdown. And so uh, they decided to take the guy who was involved with set up and breakdown and send him up to more set up and breakdown at Lake Norman. We, we, we meet in a school. A lot of sweat equity goes in every weekend. If you don't have a gym and you don't like to work out on your own, come join us on the weekend and sweat. <laughs> Now, a lot, a lot of things that I just remember from Set and Breakdown, I'm there, and I love the, the freshness. It takes me back, personally. Uh, but the thing that I love the most about this multi-site is that when we do like a men conf men's conference, or I get to come here today, I was at South End uh, a couple weekends ago for Father's Day, and I love just seeing new people, but I also love seeing the people that I've known, and it's like this sweet reunion, like, oh my gosh, where have you been my whole life? And it's great. So it's good to be back with you all. Uh, and I am married. Uh, I have a wife, Jalay. I guess, anyway, that was, I was going to go somewhere. Thank you, God, for filters in my brain. <laughs> but we've been together 18 years, married 12 and a half. Uh, I love this lady. We love just being together, um, just spending time together. Our kids will be gone this next week. So we are super excited. <laughs> you, know, you know you're a great parent when you love to see your kids go by. I have three kids. Uh, Noah is the oldest. He's 11. Uh, Jonah is nine. And then my baby girl, Lily, she is seven. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad it's a female that said whoop, because if it had been a man, I'd have come out there. We'd fight right now. <laughs> but I uh, lo love my family, love my kids, uh, and that's a little bit about me. But let's talk about what, we're, what this series we're in, House Party. I mean, we got the exciting music and all that, but man, what is this really all about? House party is simply about us as a church going, hey, you know what? God designed us for relationship the way he just made us. And so we have an opportunity and a choice. We either choose that we're going to go with that design and understand what we can experience through relationship, or we're going to run and hide and miss out on some of the stuff that maybe God has intended for our lives. And so this whole deal is about community. 
And so we're talking about in this whole summer, people are having house parties, getting together. And here's what I want you to know about community. Community can be big like this, coming to a church where there's a lot of people around. It can shrink down to like these house parties where there's maybe 5, 7, 10, 15, 20 people. But community also happens individually with just close friends. So if you think the house party ain't for me because, Michael, I'm an introvert. I love my time by myself. I get refueled when I'm by myself. I can only be around people this much and I'm done. House party is for you also, and God calls all of us to community. So our choice on whether or not we decide to connect to that community. Now, I grew up uh, in church my whole life, but it wasn't until ninth grade, 1992. I'm young, yes. 1992, ninth grade, been in church my whole life, I finally realized, oh, shoot, God wants a relationship with me. He doesn't want me just to show up to church, that there's more to this thing. When that whole scripture says that he stands at the door and knocks, it doesn't say he knocks my door down and comes sits on the living room couch with me. It says he's knocking because I have to make a choice to answer that door. That's what a relationship, as soon as I got that revelation, as soon as I decided to have a relationship, it changed my life. When I was in high school, if I told you the one thing that I remembered, the one thing that God put down and impressed upon me, the one thing that he taught me more than anything else, when I was in high school, he taught me the importance of getting connected with a community, a community where they talked about God, a community where it gave you an opportunity to grow and learn about God. Not that everybody there agreed or believed the same, but it was a community where people were willing to get connected and figure out who is this God, how does he love me, and what does that mean to me? When I went to college, I had that one thought in my mind, and I got involved with a community of people that thought like that. It was called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. God did a lot in my life through that community and in my relationship with him. When I got done with college in Raleigh at North Carolina State, graduated finally, whew, came to Charlotte. When I came to Charlotte, I had that one thought in my mind. I need to find a church here in Charlotte. I'll say this. That was the only thought I had in my mind in regards to growing with God. Because when I was in college, I was in this ministry where I was a leader in that ministry for like five or six of my seven years at college, undergrad, yes, seven years. People looked to me, people knew me. I felt like if I was in the room, they were looking to me for some answer and all this stuff. And when I came to Charlotte, I only knew like one couple that I'd gone to school with and nobody else. Jalay, we were dating, but she was still in Raleigh finishing up school. I came to Charlotte and I just went, ah, I don't have to be that guy anymore because I'm tired. I'm tired of being that guy. I'm tired of being the one that I feel like everybody's looking to. The guy that loves the Lord and knows the Lord and is pursuing his relationship with the Lord. I'm just tired. You know what? I'll find a church because it's important, but I'm just tired. I thank God for that one choice I made to at least find a church. Because I hadn't, had I not made that choice, then the outcome of my life, at least for that next bit, would have been very different than what it was. Now, I want to talk about this idea of being chased. We sang these songs up here that God chases us down. He lightning bolts, runs mountains, everything, just explosions and all this stuff to get to us. 
That's the good side of God chasing us. But what I want to talk about is when life chases us. I want to talk about the side, the hard stuff. Whenever we feel like, I'm just tired. God, I know you, but man, I've been serving forever. I'm just tired, God. I've been connected. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. Maybe being chased means that you've been, you love God. You have a relationship with God. Maybe there's just something in your life that you've been choosing to do that doesn't line up with what God says is his best for our lives. Maybe it's some sin. Maybe it's something that has just got us trapped and we go after it, we get hurt. We go after it, we get hurt. Maybe that's the thing that's chasing us. Maybe we don't feel like we're good enough. Maybe the thing that's chasing us, we have a deep wound or a deep pain from a relationship. Maybe we lost somebody that was close to us. Maybe us being chased today means that we're just overwhelmed and overworked. Maybe just the busyness of this American culture and everything going on in life we're just kind of done. Maybe us being chased today means that, God, I need you to open a door, but it feels like every stinking door just keeps closing, closing. I need a door to open. I can't do it anymore. This idea of us being chased. Now, the question when we're being chased is, is where do we run when we're being chased? Do we run to or do we run from community? Do we run to or do we run from community? Had I not chosen that one thought when I moved to Charlotte, had I not chosen to run to community, that would have been a completely different outcome and effect in my life. So here's what I want you to leave with today. This is the one statement that I want you to get and that I want you to know and I want you to understand. The statement is this. Our choice to run to or from will affect our outcome. Our choice to run to or from will have an effect on our outcome. I grew up in Louisiana, first 12 years of my life. And growing up, we had a decent amount of land, a small house, decent amount of land, didn't grow up with a lot of money. My dad was already cutting the grass on a good portion of, of our yard. And he had another section of our yard that he was like, man, I really wanna, I really wanna keep the, the briars, the brush and everything down, but it's just so much to mow, and I don't want to get this big lawnmower. I can't afford that. Ah, what do I do? And he did what any of us would do. He went out and bought some goats. And so he, <laughs> for a minute, I thought y'all had goats at your house. <laughs> he fits in this big area that we wanted to keep clear, and he put goats out there. And you have never met a lawnmower like a goat. Goats will eat anything, anything. We had one drink about three gallons of Mr. Clean uh, mop water one time. Didn't phase it at all. <laughs> so we bought these goats, and um, this story that I'm going to tell you is kind of, I told it at South End on Father's Day because for me as a son, I was like, ooh, my daddy's bad to the bone, man. So we had these goats back there. One, one uh, morning, real early in the morning, nobody was up. My dad heard the goats making a commotion, and he knew that something was wrong. Now, what he didn't know until he got outside was that somehow these three wild dogs had gotten in the, the pen, the fence with our goat. Now, these goats were like our pets. You maybe have dogs or cats, which we had dogs also and cats. But these, I want you to understand, these goats are like our pets. We name them all. We pet them. We, they all have their own personality. We love these beyond just being great lawnmowers. These dogs get in, and they're chasing the goats with intent to kill. My dad jumps out of the bed in his underwear. Come on. This is before the days of boxers. 
I don't need to give you a paintbrush. You can paint the picture. <laughs> Grabs the shotgun, because when you're in the country, that's what you do. Grabs the shotgun, and he goes out, and he eliminates the threat. I'll just say it that way. The, do the dogs are taken care of. Two were taken care of. One ran off. The sad thing was, though, is that one of the goats and her baby, because the baby just followed mama, she ran away from the herd of goats to the very far back of the fence. They were the only two goats before my dad got out there that were killed that day. And it was a sad moment, but the reality is it reminds me that we have a choice to make. When we're being chased in life by the weight of life and it's scary and we're running and we don't know what to do, we're either going to run to community or we're going to run from it. And I'll say this, there will be an effect on our lifestyle. There will be an effect on what happens to us depending on what we choose to do whenever we feel like we're being chased. There's a guy in the story, uh, there's a guy in the story, there's a story of a guy in the Bible who had a moment where he was being chased in life. And he had this choice to run to or from community. His name is David. Now, David is this guy that when I think of David, I think, wow, God, if I can have character like anyone in the Bible, I want to have character like David. David was this, as a kid, it says he was ruddy and he was a sheep farmer, sheep herder. He looked over the sheep. He didn't come from like wealthy status family. But David was chosen to be king of all of Israel. Before David was king, there was a guy named Saul that didn't like David. He had some, some uh, just ego issues and, and, and internal uh, issues, some stuff he hadn't worked out in his life. He tried to kill David. David two times could have killed him, chose not to. David honored this king because he knew God had put him there. If there was anybody that had character, it was David. So much so, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But David, just like you and I, is human. And I'm going to tell you the story of what happened to David, and you can read it if you want to. This is chapter 11. I'm going to get to, to verse, uh, chapter 12 in just a moment and actually read the text. But in chapter 11, it recounts a part of David's life, and it says that Israel was at war, and it was springtime, and it specifically says this was the time when the kings would go out to war. David decided not to go. He stayed back and sent Joab in his place to lead the army. I want you to check this out now. This is an opportunity for community. David decided to stay back alone. When the king should be out at war, he decided to stay back by himself. It said that David found himself in his palace and he walked out on his roof. Now, I don't think like roof like we have today. Because a lot of us, if we walked on our roof, we would fear death. It's hard to stand on a roof that's landed like this. David walked out on the roof, probably this flat area that kind of extended out on a roof, and he looked out, and all of a sudden, he said, whew, there is a fine woman over there. And not only that, she is bathing. So before there was peeping Tom, there was peeping David. He thought she was so beautiful, he grabbed his attendants and said, hey, I need you to go find out who she is. I'm the king, go find out. They come back and they say, her name is Bathsheba. And in telling who she is, they say, she is married to Uriah the Hittite. 
David thought she was so beautiful, he said, go and bring her to me. It says that David slept with her and got her pregnant. Now he's in a pickle. And what do we all do when we've made a choice that we know is not the right thing and it's caused a lot of drama? We fess up and we tell the truth. No, heck no, we hide that stuff. That's what David did. He went on this crazy journey full of energy to hide what he had done. It says that he decided to bring Uriah, her husband, back from battle because he was out fighting. And he's like, if I can get Uriah back, he'll sleep with his wife. And then the timing and everything, it'll be good because they didn't really keep track of it like we do here probably. I don't know. Uriah comes back and he says, hey, man, I know you've been battling. Why don't you go? God this pent up energy. Why don't you go be with your wife? Uriah didn't go home. He slept outside of the palace with the servants. David said, hey, man, why didn't you go home and sleep with your wife? He said, because if the men are out at battle, who am I to be here in luxury? I'm going to sleep out here with the servants while they're fighting. So David said, oh, snap. This is big time. I got to try something different. Let's get him drunk. So David brought him over, fed him, gave him drink. He got drunk. He said, surely he's going to go home now. He didn't. He slept outside with the servants. David's reeling back. What do I do now? So he said, I got a plan. Uriah, it's time for you to go back to battle. I need you to take this note to Joab for me, please. Takes the note. Joab reads it. The note says, hey, I need you to put uh, Uriah out front at the fiercest part of the battle because David knew if he put him out front at the fiercest part, good chance he would get killed. That's exactly what happened? Joab told an attendant, he said, go tell King David that all of these people had died in our attempt to breach the city. If, he, if David gets mad, Joab said, about the way that we went about on our tactics of fighting, which wasn't their normal tactics of fighting, and if he gets mad and upset about all these people that died because we were foolish in our approach to this fighting method that we never would do, you just tell him that Uriah the Hittite is dead. They told David the news. Bathsheba had a season of mourning of her husband's death. And then David brought Bathsheba to the palace and married her. And she became his wife. And they had their baby. Now we pick up in chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through the first part of 7. There's a guy named Nathan you're going to hear in this story. Nathan is a prophet. Nathan and David have had interaction as, as David the king. He, he appreciates the wisdom of the prophet. They've had interaction before. They know each other. It says that the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other one was poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had brought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. He loved this little ewe lamb. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. 
Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Our choice to run to or from will have an effect on our outcome. And I believe when we choose to run to community, there are some benefits that come along with that. The first principle that I want, us to get, want to get us to understand today and to hear loud and clear about running to community is that the herd brings wisdom. The herd brings wisdom. Proverbs in the Bible is known as the book of wisdom. And it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I'm not saying you need to tell everybody your business, but what this passage is saying is that when we choose to run the community, when we choose to get around people and other people in our world, then one of the beautiful things about it is that God can bring wisdom to us in a situation. That wisdom can come just by being around them and seeing and watching. That wisdom can also come from us having a conversation with them. So this goat snowball that died that day, that ran away from the herd. What I don't understand is why Snowball hadn't gained some wisdom about the benefit of being with the herd that day. First of all, when you're with that group, you're a lot bigger body in a mass for these dogs just to pick off. If you watch any nature channels where lions or anything are chasing the animals, they're trying to pick somebody off because they know they can't handle the herd, but they can handle the individual. The other thing that I don't understand why Snowball didn't get that day and probably would have known and realized from being with the herd, is that we had another goat in that herd. That goat's name was Mr. T. <laughs> and if you ever seen the A-team, there was this guy named Mr. T. He was the muscle that brought it to the hustle. He was the guy that said, I pity the fool. When Mr. T showed up, you know, oh, somebody about to get beat down. We named our goat that because he had the same persona of Mr. T on the A-team. Explain it like this. We had a great Dane, big dog, 155 pounds, big dog. We had her first before the goats. When we got the goats, she got extremely jealous of us hanging out with the goats. She barked at them, didn't like them. We knew if we put them in the same fence, she would probably try to kill them. The goats would not get near her pen except Mr. T. Mr. T would rub his body along the side of her fence and just like look at her. She would stay back and like didn't know what to do. Like who is this goat? If Snowball had known, you got Mr. T with these big two horns. Stay with the herd because they're not going to get you. Could have been a total different outcome. Could have gained wisdom that day just from checking surroundings and understanding. Oh, mm, okay, I get it now. The other way we gain that wisdom is just by talking with people. A few years back, probably three, maybe four years ago, uh, our staff, church staff, was on a staff retreat. We had gone to Charleston to look at next year, but just to take some time to get out of just the hustle and bustle of every weekend and, and just trying to prepare a place and do all these things to just reconnect, to hang out, have fun, laugh, and all that. We have a great, fun, loving staff, so we went away. And at, the, at night, we would be in like two of the hotel rooms, and we'd be laughing, playing games, and there was a lot of people in one of the rooms playing spoons, which can get a little crazy. All these card games, and in and out of the uh, hotel room that I was in, there was some people coming in and out, and this one guy by the name of John McManamy, 
uh, was in that room. Some of you might know him as J-Mac. He's the crazy guy with the big beard that's on the preview. Uh, looks like there might be animals growing in his beard or something. But funny guy. Uh, but, but outside of how funny he is and one of the most quick-witted guys I know, I love the wisdom that, that J-Mac has, and I love those serious moments that a lot of people don't either give him the, the chance to give or they, they just don't get to experience it. We're sitting down talking. Now, J-Mac is older than me, and his kids are all raised out of the house except there was one still there. So I knew that he had been parenting way longer than I had. My kids were young. As we're talking, I don't know him that well, so I'm just asking him questions, getting to know him. And he told me something that day that was this nugget of wisdom from a parent standpoint that I had no idea I was going to get, but I chose to be in that moment of community with him. So he's telling me how one of the things they did with their kids to teach them how to talk to people, how to, how to look them in the eye, and how to just be responsible and how to do an everyday task of get, asking for something or ordering something is that when the kids got to a certain age and they felt like the kids could place their own order at a restaurant, they would have the kids walk up and tell the order. Whether it was at a Chick-fil-A fast food or whatever up at the counter or sitting down, they would say, all right, you tell them. And they would sit there. If they didn't tell them, they didn't eat. When he told me that, I was like, I, I don't know that I ever would have thought to do that. Like strategically thought that if I do this, it's going to help my kid later on. But that nugget of wisdom that I gained in that moment of community that day, my wife and I, when we go to restaurants and our kids order their own food, we remind them sometimes, make sure you speak up. One of them's loud. He don't have no problem. <laughs> Just like his mama. <laughs> Y'all, if you know me, I'm the loud one. The other two are a little more soft-spoken. We had, a, we had a server say one time, your kids at 11, 9, and 7, they order better than most adults that I come across in here. When we run to community, there's this element of wisdom that God is just waiting to teach us through being around somebody who's on the other side of the problem and the issue and the challenge we're going through or to just have a conversation and them say, man, this is what has worked for me and a light bulb coming on. I love the way Samuel dropped this wisdom to David. He didn't come in and say, man, you jacked up. You were like the lowest of the low, scum of the earth. I thought you were supposed to. No, no. He told him this story. And that allowed David to see the wisdom through this story so that it could be related and he could gain wisdom for his situation. Now we go on and read what happens next after Nathan has basically said, hey, man, this is you. And we pick up in that last, verse, last part of verse 7 and verse 8. Nathan says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Not only does the herd bring wisdom, but the herd helps us remember the good. The herd helps us remember the good. The choice of running to or from is going to have an effect on our outcome in our lives. And if we want to remember the good, God is saying there's community around you so that I can remind you 
of the good things that I've done for you. That's all that Nathan said. That's all that God said through Nathan to, to David at this point. Is, hey, remember all the things I gave you? If it had been too little, then I would have gave you more. But I've given you all these things. I'm here in Charlotte about two years. It's 2004. I'm driving down the exit ramp right up here off Tryon, getting on 485. That was back when 45 going south only went to University City Boulevard, one exit up. That's it. Coming down the exit ramp, and I remember this story. It was an impactful story for me and my relationship with God. Huge story for me. Huge moment. Going down the exit ramp, and I was like, God, is this whole Christian thing, this having a relationship with you, man, is this really worth it? Because this sure don't feel like it. Like, is it really worth it? And no sooner than I got done asking my question, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And all God did in that moment was he began to remind me of all the things that he had taught me in college, all the ways that he had shown up, some of the miraculous things I had seen, all the, the ways he had shown himself to me in my life, the things that he had restored in my thinking, the healing that he had given me with my hurt and my pain and my unforgiveness towards my father, all this stuff he began to remind me of. And all that stuff that he reminded me of was a result really of the community that I've been a part of and chosen to run to my whole life. God is waiting for us to get into community so that he can remind us of the good things that he's done in our life. Sometimes when you're talking to somebody, it's just you realize that what's going on with you really ain't that bad. It's as simple as that sometimes. God sometimes, I believe, wants us to hear other people's story in their situation so we'll stop running around, wah, 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 God, blah, 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 just to go, hold on, hold on for a minute. Did you wake up with both arms and both legs? Did you? The thing about Snowball that I didn't tell you in that story, that goat that died that day, Snowball had this habit. Months and months leading up to this moment, my dad would find Snowball at the very back of the fence with her head stuck through the fence, eating the grass outside the fence. The problem with that is when Snowball put her head through, she couldn't get her head back out because her antlers got in the, her horns got in the way. Her baby always stayed by her side. Isn't our life like that? God says, hey, I've given you boundaries in life, but don't we look through the fence and go, whoo, mm. I got to get in this conversation, God, because this is some good gossip, and I got to talk some trash about this person. You know what, God? That boss of mine, they just treat me like trash, so I'm going to go just trash them and beat them. Oh, God, you know what? I'm going to go over there and eat that food. I'm hurting and I'm sad, so I'm just going to go eat this food. I know it's not healthy. I know it's not good, but I'm going to do this. Oh, God, I need that cigarette. I need that drink, Father. I need that. I need those relationships. God, without that, without them telling me I'm good, I'm not going to feel good. God, I need that. You know what my thing was outside the fence for so many years and it's still sitting there today in my life going, come back and eat some of this, was pornography. I would go and put my head through that fence and find myself stuck over and over again. And I would tell myself, Michael, don't do that. You know how, you, how it hurts and you get stuck and you, you get trapped. And I'd say, oh, but it looks so good. You see, there's a, God, the, the enemy's trying to also get into our memory. He's trying to say, remember how good this is? Don't it look so good? The sad thing about that is, is that it don't last. And you will, we will always find ourselves stuck. What community does is it allows us the opportunity to go, all right, God, there's some natural accountability by being around other people. 
Sometimes it's a matter of just not being by ourselves. Idle hands is the devil's workshop, and I know that very well. There are some times where I'm tempted. I just got to go find and be around somebody or get a shovel and dig a hole somewhere. I got to do something. We gain wisdom when we run to community, when we run to the herd. But it also gives God an opportunity to remind us of his good. And the story goes on, and Nathan tells David, hey, man, you've done all this. And David says, light bulb comes on. He chose to run to that community moment with Nathan to hear him, hear the wisdom he had, remind him of what was good. And he said, wow, I've sinned. God, I've done something that is not your best and not what you desire for me in your eyes. Please forgive me. Nathan said, David, you will not die today. God has already forgiven you. However, for every choice in life, there's always a consequence. It doesn't mean that God is a bad God. Sometimes I think we blame God way more than he deserves to be blamed because our own decisions have gotten us to a place. But he said, hey, look, your life is going to be spared because God loves you and forgives you. But your son will die. The son that he had through that adulterous affair got sick. During that time, David fasted. He laid on the ground in sackcloth. He prayed, just God, please, if there's anything you can do. His son died. As soon as his son died, he went straight from mourning. He got up. He put his head up. He went and ate, and he carried on with his life. I believe David understood it was my choice that caused this consequence. But even outside of that, I have a God who loves me enough to forgive me, and I can move on in my life. God gave David another son. His name was Solomon. You go down David's line and you get to a man named Jesus. The last principle that I want us to understand when we make a choice to run to the crowd is that the herd gives us redemption. The herd gives space for redemption. And what I mean by that is sometimes redemption doesn't come in a moment. And all redemption is, is restoring something to its original intent. God designed you and me to be in relationship with him. Jesus died for us because sin put a wall between us and God. God so badly wanted to restore the relationship that he sent his son to die for us so that we could be redeemed, meaning that if we choose, we could be back at the original intent of the way God intended us to be in relationship with him. I love what James chapter 5 says, verses 19 through 20. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whatever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. James, many, many, many years later, says something that is exactly what happened when Nathan went to David. David had wandered. Nathan went in a moment of community and said, hey man, I got something wise here. Hey man, you need to remember what God did. Hey, if you'll just understand and ask God to forgive you, there's redemption. God's gonna restore everything. When those goats were being chased and my dad came out that house 
and took care of the problem that was causing fear in that moment for them, they were restored back to goats enjoying their grass, goats enjoying each other, us playing with them. They were restored right back because my dad came in and saved the day for them. God is wanting to do the same thing with you and me. He is, we talked about the song, he's chasing us, he's chasing us. But the thing the song doesn't talk about, but it's still a reality is that he's gonna chase and chase. He ain't never gonna catch us till we turn around and go to him. God's not out to just try to lord over us and force us into a relationship. God is like, I'm chasing you because I love you and I understand if you can start community here and then get in community around other people that also love me and believe in me, then you'll find wisdom You'll be reminded of the good things when it's going rough, and I'm going to restore and redeem. There are a lot of places in your life where you're feeling hurt. There are a lot of people that have hurt you. There's a lot of unforgiveness. But if you'll forgive, I'm going to restore your identity. I'm going to restore that hurt. You're going to be that, that lady, that man that I always intended to be. You're not going to be that alcoholic like your father, father or mother was. You're not gonna be hooked on drugs. You're not gonna let food run your life anymore. You're not gonna be the gossip. You're not gonna be on social media just bashing people and hiding behind a keyboard and a screen. You're gonna, we're gonna get the picture that God is chasing us and then we're gonna run to him. If you will, stand to your feet. God is chasing everyone in here today. And I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've ever turned around I don't know if you've ever opened the door and said, God, come in. My life is in shambles. I don't feel like I'm sticking my head through the fence. I feel like I'm just in the fence, constantly stuck. Today's a day that could all change. But it's nothing about what I said. It's about us and our willingness to respond to God in a moment of community with him. So if you will, close your eyes. And I ask you to do that just because I want you to focus on yourself. This is your moment for you. The thing I know about God is he's always talking. And I know he's saying things to people in this room. Our responsibility is what do we do when he says something? If you're here today and you feel like that you've never been in a real community, had a relationship with God and allowed him into your life, today I want that to change for you. Do you want it? If you want it right now, I want you to raise your hand up where you are. I see your hand, ma'am. In the right, three or four or five guys in the back, right here in the front, ma'am, thank you. This left side, I see your hand. I see your hand down front, ma'am. You can put your hand down once it's raised. Now, if you will, I want you to say this prayer with me out loud. If you have a relationship with God, say it loud. If you just raise your hand, say it loud. God, I love you. You showed me your love by sending your son, Jesus to die for me I believe that today and I accept it into my life help me father to know your love to be changed to pull my head out of the fence and run to you in Jesus name now what I want you to do is if you're here and you feel like life is just chasing you and maybe you haven't run to community maybe you've just been running away from things Today might be the first day that you're back at church. Maybe after a long time of running, you've been hurt, you're tired, 
you've been in sin and you feel like, oh, this sin's bigger than anything and I can't show my face. Whatever the case is, if that's you and you wanna run back to God today and you wanna make a point to force your way through and find community, I just want you to put your hand on your heart and I'm gonna pray for you. God, thank you for the people that are putting their hand on their heart right now. God, thank you for speaking to them. God, thank you for reminding them that community is a place where we can find your wisdom, where we can find your reminders of how good you've been to us, and God, where you, we can find wholeness and being complete through the process of redemption and made new. God, I pray strength over them in the days to come. I pray that when they leave here, they'll take action, Father to run to, to community and relationship here at Freedom House, uh, through close friends, any, any of those avenues, Father. Because God, that's where we can find hope and healing. We love you and thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give God a hand clap today. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.